I want you to get your handouts out and ready because the scriptures are in there today. Uh, I am, uh, I'm going to be speaking today on a, I think, a very important subject for where we are as a world, as a nation, and as a country. Before I do, though, I just want to give a happy birthday shout out to Justin Herrera. Where's Justin? Justin, happy birthday. Man, you don't look, you don't look a day over 70. That's incredible. I'm so proud of you. Justin is the guy that's helped us get into this building. He's overseen all the construction, and so make sure and pat him on the back and wish him happy birthday today. I want to preach a word about a word today that we're hearing a lot now. You hear it in the media. Uh, you, hear it, uh, you hear it in, in, in uh, articles. You hear it on radio. It's a word called reconciliation. Everybody say it with me, reconciliation. How many could use some reconciliation in your life? We all could. We need reconciliation in our country. We need reconciliation racially. We need reconciliation religiously. Amen. Some of you need reconciliation in your family. How many, just nod your head if there's a little reconciliation you need in, in some of your family as well. We need it in our relations, relationships, friendships, and marriages. And, and so I want to talk about reconciliation, not just as something for our country, but something for you right where you are. Did you know that reconciliation is not a new word? It's not a new idea. Matter of fact, it was God's idea. God is the one who came up with reconciliation. So I want us to look at how God does reconciliation. Because if we don't figure out how God does it, we're never going to figure out how we're supposed to do it. I'm going to say that again. If we don't figure out how God does it, we're never going to figure out how we're supposed to do it. And I want to thank you for being here today. I know it's a little chilly. Can you just lean in with me today? And if you get too cold, go to your car and turn on the radio. It's fine. I will not be offended. But I do want you to hear what what God is saying today. Those of you online, really lean in with me. 2 Corinthians 5 is where I want to go today. It'll be on the screens for you, and it's in your handout today as well. I want to read this entire passage, like six verses or so. And then I'm going to go back and I want to break it down verse by verse. 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Aren't you thankful for that? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Kristen can tell you that when we pastored in Austin, I spent one year, maybe a year and a half, on this one chapter. I never left 2 Corinthians 5. We preached a year on it. I'm not going to do that today, okay? But I, but I do want to break it down and dive in. I want to break it down. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all 
and therefore all die. Listen, this is so important for you to get as a believer. If you are a believer, when he died, you died. Jesus didn't just die. You died in him. He didn't die just for us. We died with him. The old you is gone. As, as soon as you place your faith in Jesus Christ, that is when the power of this transaction takes place. This is a life-changing revelation. If you can understand that Jesus didn't just die, the old you died with him. Does that? Ex- I should just right now say, God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. That is all the revelation you need. Amen? So when stuff starts going down and you start questioning your salvation, you start questioning, are you good enough? Remember, you're not alive anymore. You died in him, which means you are alive in him. Matter of fact, we received the sweetest email today or this week from a young lady named Molly. Molly, I hope you're watching. She sent us an email and she said, hi, I'm Molly. I'm new. I'm 14 and I live in Pennsylvania and I love watching your service. I don't know what it is about Pennsylvania. We have an entire, matter of fact, we have a Pittsburgh parish. There's a whole bunch of folks that go to mass on Saturday and they watch the hills on Sunday morning. Our Pittsburgh parish. God bless y'all. We love you guys. But Molly, I want to answer your question. She said, I have a question because I don't know who else to ask. I'm just so afraid of hell and judgment day. It scares me so much and I don't know how to calm those nerves. I'm also worried about my family. Also, I was baptized when I was born. Does this still count? Anyway, I'm fasting with you guys, and I loved it. The prayers at the end are my favorite. Molly, I'm so glad you reached out to us, and I want to answer your question. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you died with him when he died. And you don't need to worry about it. All you need to do is lean into him. We're going to find you a good church. And if you want to get baptized in that church, we're going to make sure you do that. How am I going to be praying for Molly this week? Isn't that great that we're having that kind of impact right here in a parking lot? And there's a young lady from Pennsylvania that fasted with us. Isn't that cool? Our youth group just keeps growing, y'all. We got a, we got a, a, a branch in Pennsylvania. I love that. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If I ask most of you, why did Jesus die? Most people would say, because so I could be saved. That's why he died. That's not what this scripture says. This scripture says he died so that you and I would no longer live for ourselves, but that we would live for him who died for us and was raised. Come on, what if we started living that kind of life? What if we started living a life that we know we are not our own, that we were bought with a price? I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about his kingdom and his will and his purpose. I can tell you, if we would start living that kind of life, we, we, it would change our life. Amen? Verse 16. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Remember, I'm talking about how God does reconciliation. He says, we don't look at people from a worldly point of view. We don't look at people from in a fleshly way any longer. Matter of fact, Paul said this. He said, I used to look at Jesus that way. He said, when I thought about Jesus, I saw him as a from a worldly point of view, from a fleshly point of view. He said, but I don't look at him that way anymore because I had a revelation. The secret to reconciliation is if you and I would stop looking at people from a worldly point of view, from a 
me and mine and them and theirs. The worst words that you can use is they and them. Because suddenly you're on the opposite side from them. You start viewing them as, oh, they have a different political view than I have. They have a different background than I have. They have a different belief system than I have. What if we started looking at them from a heavenly point of view, from a godly point of view? That person is a living, breathing soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. Doesn't that change your mindset? Suddenly that person that messes with you at work or school, you're not as angry with them anymore. When you start thinking about they're going to live eternity somewhere. Paul said, don't look at anybody from a worldly point of view. This is going to help some of you deal with somebody this week. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Everyone that is in Christ is a new creation. Aren't you thankful for that? The old is gone. The new is here. I find, though, that we take that scripture out of context. I rejoice over it as a revelation for me. The old is gone. The new is here. But the context of the statement was not about you or me. It was about them. Paul was saying, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. It was about other people. This is the key to reconciliation is looking at them and saying, if they're in Christ, they're not the old them. It's a new person. And we start looking at them that way and treating them that way and praying for them that way. Verse 18. Come on, you still with me today? All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, reconciliation is what Jesus did. Reconciliation, the word reconciliation means to make things right. In other words, to make us right with God. Aren't you thankful that Jesus did that and didn't leave it up to us? Come on, aren't you thankful that he didn't make you make things right? That he made it right in his body? Come on, somebody honk the horn. I thank you for that. Amen. Jesus, through his death, through his burial and through his resurrection, restored our relationship with God. And it goes on, it says, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, watch this, not counting people's sins against them. Now, this is the key to reconciliation, not keeping a record of who did you wrong. Not keeping a record of who did you wrong. Somebody asked me the other day, they brought up a situation where someone did my wife and I wrong. And that's only happened one time in our life. Nobody has ever talked bad about us or done us wrong or nobody's ever done anything like that. And they asked us, they brought it up and they were talking about it. And they're like, oh, it just makes me so mad. And we just looked at them and said, you know what, can we talk about something else? We're just, we've already forgiven that. We've forgiven them. We've moved on. Let's not bring it back up. See, the word forgiveness means to give for them. That's what forgive means. So in other words, you pay the debt for them. You don't make them pay the debt. You pay the debt. You go, you know what? I'm forgiving you. We're moving on. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to to get that word in your spirit right now. And you may need to forgive the person that's telling you that right now. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrong. Some of you need to start that with your spouse. Start it with your spouse. Don't keep a record. Some of you hold on to things she did last week. Come on, bro. Let it go, all right? 
And he has committed, everybody say committed. Thank you for the son, Lord. Committed to us the message of reconciliation. He, a moment ago, he said he gave us the ministry. And now he's saying he committed to us. That word committed means to lay upon, to cause a state to be. To, to, to result in. In other words, as soon as you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he laid upon you the ministry and the message of reconciliation. He handed it to you. He did it, and now he's giving it to you. Did you know that Jesus has already done his part? Why do you think he said it is finished? I've done it. And now I'm going to my Father. I'm going to give you my authority. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. But now it's up to you. It's not Jesus' job to bring reconciliation now. It is our job. It's me and you. You and I have upon us the ministry and the message of reconciliation. If you are saved, you are already in the ministry. You're in the ministry. So God has called us to be ambassadors, it goes on to say, verse 20, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an ambassador. Come on, I see you guys in your, in your suit jackets. I see you dressing like ambassadors today. Look at that. I'm telling you, we are ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a representative from another kingdom or a, another country, a kingdom with different cultures and different languages and different laws. That's why we don't walk the way the world walks. We don't talk the way the world talks. Oh, I wish I had some people with me right now. That would help me out. We don't live the way the world lives. We don't believe the way the world believes because we are ambassadors from another kingdom. And God has called us to be ambassadors of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen to me, and I'm almost done. Got another 30 minutes and we'll be done, okay? Why are y'all laughing? Like, really? I'll go 45 now. No, I'm joking. Just a few more moments, but I really want you to lean in. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I believe this is a message for our church and, and for our city. Listen to me, those of you online, reconciliation only works if it is done the way God intended it to be. We're never going to have racial, religious, political reconciliation until we do it the way God intended it to be done. First of all, we are to be reconciled to him. He is the common denominator. If we are never reconciled, we will never be reconciled to one another if we are not reconciled to him first. This is why the country can't get it right. This is why government can't get it right. This is why political systems will never work. They don't understand reconciliation is not about me and you getting along. Reconciliation is about us being reconciled to him. And then when we're reconciled to him, then the other reconciliation happens. I asked for a few, uh, a few help, uh, four of you that I asked come help me today. Come up here real fast. I'm going to give you an illustration. Where are you? The four people that I said. There you go. There they come. Oh, you guys were ready. Come on. I want four of you to come right here. And Jared, I want you to stand right here. Right there. Tessa, I want you right over there. All right. Y'all come on up. I want you to come stand right at the front of the stage. Look at them shoes, boy. Look, stand right there. And look at those boots, my goodness. Can you get a shot of those boots? Come stand right here. Now I want you to turn and face one another. Face, face one another. All right, now listen. All right, this is Jesus. 
That's Jesus right there. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody just to take a small step toward Jesus. All right? Come on, Tessa. You need to take a few more steps toward Jesus. <laughs> like literally. No, I'm joking. All right, take another step toward Jesus. Take another step toward Jesus. You see what happens? When we're reconciled to him, we're reconciled to one another. Say it with me. When we're reconciled to him, we're reconciled to one another. All right, y'all get six feet apart. Thank y'all. What if we could change our mindset? Instead of me trying to get along with you, I get in touch with him. And I start learning how he loves people, how he cares for people, how he thinks about people. If you and I can be reconciled to him, we're not going to have to worry about being reconciled to one another. That is why the two greatest commandments are the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that our relationships are supposed to be example of reconciliation? Ephesians 5 says this, For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. He switches from marriage. One translation says, this is an illustration of how Christ and the church are one. Did you know that our relationships with one another illustrate how much God loves the church? When you look at a great marriage, what you're seeing is an illustration of how God loves the church. You and I are supposed to be living, breathing examples of reconciliation. John 13 and 34, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you live a perfect life. Right? If you never get in trouble. If you don't sin, if you have a big, beautiful building, if you tithe, if you fast, if you pray. No, the way they're going to know that you, we are his disciples is that we love one another. Reconciliation. You and I are the standard of reconciliation. Back to 1 Corinthians 5. And we are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love how Paul says this. Hear this as if God were pleading with you. Hear this as, as if Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, hear this as if he were pleading with you, be reconciled to God. I love that we implore you. That word implore means to beg with a sense of urgency. To plead, be reconciled to God. That's my plea for you today. That's my plea for you. Come on, baby. Come on back to Jesus. Come on, prodigal. It's time to come on back home. I don't know why you left, but I know that he's on the front porch waiting for you. Be reconciled to God. And that word reconciled means back in the rightful order the way it was in the garden do you know that's what kingdom is kingdom is back to the way God had it in the garden revelations tells us that the lion and the lamb are going to lie down together that's God's plan 
that those who would normally be enemies would be together. Colors and races and backgrounds together. Worshiping. As one man stated, we will be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing the words of the old spiritual. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty we are free at last. Did you know that reconciliation was not just Dr. King's dream? Reconciliation is God's dream. I'm going to read you one last passage of Scripture, and I love it. It's on the screen. It's in your handout. I want you to look at what heaven is going to look like. Revelation 7 and 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what heaven looks like. Every nation, every tribe, every language. And that's what kingdom is supposed to look like. That's what church is supposed to look like. That's what the hills is supposed to look like. I have an idea. I want us to start a revolution. I want us to start a revolution of reconciliation. What if we did that? What if instead of revolting and rioting, we started a revolution of being reconciled back to God and being reconciled to one another? What if that became the thing that we were about as a church? We're going to give everything we have to being reconciled to Him and then being reconciled to one another. It's all about Him and it's all about them. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you anymore. He died so that you would live your life for him. Come on, how many received this word today? Amen. Close your eyes. I want to pray for you today. Lord, I thank you for this word of reconciliation. I thank you, God, that this is something that you want us to to grab hold of. I thank you, Lord, that this is a word for now, a right now word. And I pray, God, that this church could be known as a church that is helping people be reconciled back to you. And we began, Lord, by us being reconciled to you. Lord, I for one know during this week of fasting and prayer that I've never felt you closer. I love your word says that if we will take a step toward you, that you come running to us. Draw near to you and you'll draw near to us. I thank you that you you don't meet us in the middle. You always go further than us. So Lord, we're taking a step toward you. We're going to commit this year to worship you more to seek your will more. I pray, God, that those that are here today that are walking in any unforgiveness or enmity, God, or separation, 
with someone that they know they're supposed to be close to, that God, they would make a commitment to forgive, make a commitment, Lord, to take a step toward reconciliation. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Look at me. I want to plead with you today. Those of you that are watching, be reconciled to him. Maybe you've never... Maybe you've never asked him to be your Lord. Or it could be that you've walked away. I can tell you that if you don't feel close to him, he's not the one who moved. He said he'll be with you always. So I don't know why you walked away. I don't know why you're not close in your cars, those of you sitting here. Why? What is it that's keeping you from him? I plead with you today. As Paul said, just as Jesus, if you hear Jesus the one who shed his blood for you, saying, be reconciled to God. I gave my life so that you could be in right relationship with him. I plead with you today. Make it right. Because Jesus gave his life so it could be right. How do I do it? Romans tells us that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Molly, did you hear that? Believe in your heart confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You don't have to question it. You will be saved. So why don't you pray that prayer with me today? In your cars, online, here in the parking lot, at the car wash. Why don't you just pray with me today? I want you to repeat after me. Come on, Hills family. Let's join with them. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, for your obedience to the Father's will, for giving your life so that I didn't have to give mine. Today, I confess that I am not good enough. I need you. I confess that I am not my own. I accept your life, and I give you mine. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your grace. Come on, say it loud, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live with you forever and ever beginning right now in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody say amen come on let's celebrate with all these folks that prayed that prayer those online come on God bless you